This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And good morning, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the Garden Show, here with you on a bright and shiny but damn cold morning. Charlie, isn't that something else? Yeah. Wow. And David Gaskin's all set to receive your calls here at the Garden Show to talk to Charlie, 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-740. 4740. You know what I got in my mind? I'm visualizing our listeners sitting out there enjoying uh, maybe first, second, or third cup of coffee this morning, Mm -hmm. just waiting to see what exciting events you've got coming up to talk about. I figure that our listeners are probably rolling on the floor (laughs) laughing at at that incredibly wacky intro that we have for the show. Who devised that? Uh, Wild and woolly. It feels like a cartoon show, doesn't it? It does. But, of course, I think that might be a comment on us. Yes. (laughs) Uh, okay, a couple of quick things, announcements, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to mention the mantra. Oh, yes, please. Call early, call often, one question per call. Very good. There are. Yes, okay. indeed. And just uh, remember as well, if for whatever reason you have trouble um, with the AM signal that is AM740, you can listen to the radio show on your television. Yes. If you're on the Rogers Network, it's Rogers 949. Just crank up the TV and you're there good you to are. Go. Yeah. All right. A um, couple of things. One is I've mentioned before www.gardentoronto.ca, mm-hmm. website run by a lovely gentleman, Mark DeZero. He was down at Canada Blooms when we were doing the construction of the show, and he took some photographs of the, the and some video, and it's all posted on his website. So it's kind of fun if for anybody who'd like to see some of the inside scoop on Canada Blooms. You can see it on his website, gardentoronto.ca. Speaking of Canada Blooms, yes. how did it wind up for you? Uh, well, you can see I, my eyes aren't so sunken into my head. That's, that's true. You I, look alive. Oh, yeah. I have managed to get a couple of nights of good sleep, so I'm feeling a lot better. And uh, no, Canada Blooms was great. I mean, it was crazy <clears throat> yep. busy as as expected. And um, probably the most exciting thing that came out of Canada Blooms was uh, at the end, an announcement was made that there's a proposal to co-locate Canada Blooms with the National Home Show next year. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know how big the national is. A lot is. of cross-border traffic going on there. <laughs> well, yeah. the idea is that uh, showgoers would buy one ticket, and that ticket would allow them into both shows. Yeah, I think that's a super idea. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be one of those things where you're going to need a couple of days, because yeah, you know how yeah. big the national is. Yeah. And then, of course, Canada Blooms is not a fast show. I mean, you wander through, you have a cup of tea, you wander some more, boy, you a, do some shopping. That's, a, I think, a very innovative idea. So that is, like I say, mm. still in the proposal stages, uh, but that is, I think, going to happen. I think it's about a 90% 
percent yeah. go. So uh, plan for that. It'll be a ten day show next year. Canada Blooms has always been a five day show, and the National is ten. Mm-hmm. So suddenly Canada Blooms will become a ten day show as well, yeah. as far as I know. Which is going to have some impact for those of us in charge of flowers, mm-hmm. because flowers will all have to be replaced halfway through. Right. Uh, they don't like that heat inside. <laughs> Speaking of heat inside, after the show. We always try and save all the plants. I mean, we don't want to put anything out into the landfill or the compost pile. So we boxed up, we sleeved and boxed over 500 flowers, which were sent out by Courier. Proctor Courier comes through as a, as a partner in this. And we shipped 10 skids of flowers last Monday to a retirement residence where they were all then opened and every every resident of the retirement home was given their own flower oh, that's nice. to uh, to be in yeah. charge of and care for for Proctor Delivery Service. Yeah, it's Proctor that's Courier. That's one of my companies that I oh. no <laughs> do with it. I was going to say yeah. yes, exactly. It's your brother, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, they're great great guys. So they uh, pro- they partner with Canada mm-hmm. Blooms and the City of Toronto to put that uh, that's together. Very nice. We also uh, put away and saved. Oh, quite a number, close to 100 trees, Mm -hmm. which are in a holding greenhouse right now and will be moved into the, the Green Living Show. So the Green Living Show will be greener than ever using Canada Bloom's trees and shrubs, which is kind of exciting. Very good. I myself took home, and it's currently in my garage, all wrapped up, um, a, uh, an ornamental pear tree. It's about 11 feet tall, but it's been so cold. Oh, and my, yeah. my garage is insulated but not heated, and uh, you know, I've been trying to figure out, I'm just, you know, light a little bonfire in my garage. <laughs> to freeze your pear off. Well, my poor, exactly, my poor little pear. So right now I'm, I'm hoping it's going to survive the all this cold weather, but it's uh, it's wrapped in a big felt blanket and it's standing in my garage waiting for some warm weather. Mm. Okay, quick. The Burlington Horticultural Society is having their monthly gardening meeting that is coming up on Wednesday, April 13th, 7.30 p.m. There, the speaker is Art Ward. He's an amateur photographer and will speak about tips for taking pictures of nature and flowers. The Burlington Hort Society meets at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Seneca Avenue in Burlington. So Wednesday, April 13th, 7.30 p.m. Okay, Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener. I, Frank Proctor, the sous chef, <laughs> will welcome a call from Pat in Grafton after we check a few words here on AM 740. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. I know we're going to be speaking with Pat Grafton, and in honor of her call, and uh, <laughs> sort of what would be reminiscent of her call would be, <laughs> uh, got a woodpecker problem, I understand, Pat. Hi, good morning, Pat. Good morning, and happy spring to the both of you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Um, yes, I do have a woodpecker problem, and I have a large cedar tree, about eight inches in diameter, mm-hmm. that this woodpecker has been feasting on. Mm. Okay. And my question is, is there any way... Hello? Yep, we're here. Is there any way I can plug those holes and save the tree? Okay, so, but think about what's going on. The woodpecker is pecking the holes into the tree to take insects out. Okay. Okay. So actually, the woodpecker is helping you and the tree by removing the insects. Plugging the holes won't do you any good. The woodpecker is just going to peck more holes. And so really, what the woodpecker is doing is telling you something. It's telling you that this tree is infested with an insect. 
you have two options. If it's a really important tree in your landscape and it's something you would love to not lose, I would hire a, a, a certified arborist to come onto the property, diagnose what's going on in the tree, and perhaps be able to el- eliminate the insects. And then the woodpeckers will go away. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Don't try and, and scare off the woodpecker because, honestly, I know it seems a bit counterintuitive that the woodpecker is doing damage to the tree, but the insects are doing even more damage. Okay. So it's the lesser of two evils. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, the, it might be so infested that it's just, you know, the tree is in decline and can't mm-hmm. be saved. But if, it, like I say, if it matters to you a lot, get somebody in onto the property who can do a proper diagnosis. How, how big and, is the tree, Pat? Well, she said eight-inch diameter. No, oh, my gosh. Diameter. It's an old wow. cedar. It's a yeah. big old cedar. Yeah, it's right at the corner of my driveway, the driveway and the, and the road. Uh-huh. Right. And, yeah. and it sort of anchors the rest of the... The yard. The, um, I'm sort of tucked in behind this bank mm. of cedars. Oh, nice. So yeah, nice, so it's yeah. a real, it is an important and a very important element to your landscape. So I, like I say, just call, you know, go to the Yellow Pages if you don't know anybody in your area and look up or on the web under ISA, which is the International Society of Arborists. Go, go to that website and then under Ontario, click on Ontario and then it lists all the certified arborists who are members of the society and find one in your area. Call that person up, get them to come and give you a, give you a, a, a proper evaluation on what your next best steps are. All right. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks, Thanks for joining Pat. us here on the show. Bye. The Garden Show from AM740 with Charlie Dobbin. I'm Frank Proctor. As we say hello and good morning to Vivian in Burlington. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning, sous chef. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my hat on and everything. You do. <laughs> yeah. You should well, see him I in an apron. You're getting ready for lunch. <laughs> exactly. You should see him in an apron. It's great. <laughs> well, my problem is about an azalea mm-hmm. Uh, yes, an azalea plant that I got a gift of recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't last too long blooming. And I found I had to water it every day. Mm-hmm. I would slightly water it every day. And I'm just wondering, I'm trying now to protect the leaves because it's died pretty well, the whole plant now, except the leaves. Mm-hmm. And then can I... Can I uh, keep on watering to preserve these leaves oh, so that I can plant it out, <clears throat> excuse me, outside mm-hmm. when the weather's better? Good question, actually, Vivian. Yes. Azaleas will last for years and years and years if you can give them what they want. Uh-huh. So as you point out, it's a water-loving plant. Uh, inside our homes, I always try to put azaleas in a fairly bright spot, in a window. Could I have it in the window. Yes, mm. I did. Good. And then the, and it will continue. It, when it's flowering, you usually receive azaleas full of flowers. Keep watering it to maintain the flowers. Oh, if but it, the flowers have died completely yeah, now. Once it finishes flowering or if it suffers for lack of water, no question, flowers finish at some point. Yes. Keep those green leaves nice and green by continuing to water. Okay. Come when once we're frost free, definitely you can take that plant outside. It loves the summer humidity and the warmth outside. Don't put it in full sun though. Put it in a fairly shady location outside. Remember to keep watering it outside and then bring it in in late summer. You'll find that it often will set flower buds out in outside in the summer. If not, bring it when you do bring it in in late summer, put it into a sunny window, keep watering it. You'll find it will set all kinds of flower buds and be flowering by Christmas next year. Oh, thank you. Well, that's what I have been doing. I've been watering it to preserve the leaves. Perfect. And I'll do exactly what you say. And um, 
So it should uh, be okay then, uh, but do I have to bring it in over the winter? Yes, you will. And you may even want to give it a little bit of a trim before you put it outside in May, uh, just because... A little bit of what? A trim. Just give it a little bit of a trimming, just a bit of a haircut, uh, Mm -hmm. because they tend to start growing and being a little unbalanced, and you can just keep it a little bit tidy and, and compact in its shape by trimming it just before you go outside. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, thanks for joining the show, Vivian. Day. And thank the you. same to you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, sir, chef. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I'll be over for lunch. All right. Thank <laughs> Perfect. You. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm thinking of your, your pear tree in the garage there. Mm-hmm. How heavy was that thing? Uh, well, I was able to drag it by myself. And, but, you know, you might not have been able to had you not taken your Sierra Sil. That's a very good yes. point. Oh, listen to you. <laughs> right on top. <laughs> Sierra Sil is a mineral supplement that I take to keep my joints moving and limber and, you know, still bending. Uh, several people in my life do the same thing, including, including my me. partner, Elliot, and yourself. Uh, we're all finding that we're feeling 10 years younger by taking Sierra Sil on a consistent basis just because those aches and pains are gone, whether it's elbows or hips or hands. We're all feeling a lot better for taking Sierra Sil, and we recommend that if you have aches and pains, you may have a good experience as well. For more information, call 1-877-JOINT-14. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And it's uh, coming around to 9.24 here on a very cold but bright Saturday morning. We welcome you to the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, a reminder of those phone numbers again, if I may. And call early, call often, one question per call. Yeah. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. 1-866-740-4740. That's anywhere in the province, toll free. I just wanted to say um, yeah. there was just a little commercial running for Scott's bird food. Have you noticed the birds? Oh, yeah. Like suddenly. Yeah. And I think it's because I was at Canada Blooms and I was lost in a different world there, hardly outside. But as soon as I came home, I mean, there's flocks of birds in my backyard. Red-winged blackbirds, which yeah. is quite unusual. I've never seen flocks in my backyard. But they're scaring my cat. <laughs> my cat's afraid to go outside. Well, in Dickens, he look, he, we're on the third floor of a apartment uh, building. He looks out over the balcony and he's and he, he he getting all excited and you oh know, he wants to get at him. Well, that's right. Well, so my cat is happily going outside and, and hunkering down <laughs> when there's a few chickadees yeah, yeah. and, you know, sparrows. But those blackbirds, there was like 200 of them in my backyard. And the cat sort of took one look at them and went, oh my gosh, and ran for cover. <laughs> they're loud and big. And well, that's a sure sign of spring. Clear, yeah. Sure sign of spring because they're clearly uh, they're all over my yard. I mean, I do feed the birds, but they're also I have a lot of debris for the purposes of nest building. Uh-huh. So I think I do attract them for that purpose. There, well, they're busy yes. in my yard. <laughs> At least you don't attract flies; you attract birds, which debris. is nice. It's yes. a good word. Eh? <laughs> hey, let's say hi to Tony in Mount Forest, who's next up here on the Garden Show from AM seven forty. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. How are how's everybody? Good. We're great. Hey, Tony. That's good. I wanted to ask Charlie a question. I tried to email her, but it couldn't be delivered somehow. Oh, I think so I did. I thought I'd better call her. Oh, that's. I'm glad that's you called. But even I think, better. I think I did get your email, and I did respond, but that was probably late last night. Okay. Uh, about those hybrid tomatoes uh, in the, the infomercial that I've been seeing. Oh, no. Okay, so I didn't get the story on what you were asking. What What about the hybrids that you're seeing? There's an infomercial on television about hybrid tomatoes that comes as a plant, grows like a tree, produces a bushel of tomatoes, 
and uh, it it would be ideal for me because I live in a condominium with limited space. Okay, so and, uh, I, I didn't know whether it would grow in Mount Forest. <coughs> well, I think, and you know what? I need to just look this up. I've I remember this from a couple of years ago. I think it's not an actual tomato. I think it's called tomatilla, but I have to look it up. So let me let me uh, look that up and get back to you. Or if somebody's listening and has this on the tip of their brain, call and let us know. But it's not a traditional tomato. tomato. Yeah. And yet fruit are formed on this particular plant. They just aren't, like I say, what you always think of as a real tomato. So they don't taste like a tomato? Well, that's where I need to just find out a little more information. I can tell you exactly what it is. Like I said, it's as I recall, and I remember seeing this not on television, but in some of the freebies that come in the mail, you know, mail, mail order stuff. It was all about that, you know, get bushels and bushels of tomatoes off a tomato tree yeah. uh, was kind of how they were promoting it. And it's like I say, it's not really a tomato, but it's close. <laughs> so let me let me see if I can find out some more, and I will announce it here for you. Okay. Today. I'll try. Thank okay, you. Okay, thanks, Charlie. Okay, thanks, thanks very Tony. much, Tony, from Mount Forest. Speaking of tomatoes, Di and I were shopping, I guess it was last week, mm-hmm. and came across the tomato section, and they're brown tomatoes. Oh, really? Oh, like, they looked awful. I wouldn't buy them. And by the, I mean, no, the skin was actually brown, like a, like a big potato, that, that color. So they weren't just like rotten tomatoes? They no, were supposed no. to be brown. No, no, they're supposed to be brown. Right, because, I mean, remember I brought yellow tomatoes in last year. That's the funny thing, eh? When we have in our heads what a tomato looks like. Yeah. So if you if you blindfold yourself and eat some of these purple and brown and yeah. yellow tomatoes, they're you fine. Yeah, it's they're just regular tomatoes. The color tomatoes. threw me right off. But yeah, when the color is off, <laughs> you just can't wrap your head around it. Okay, let's see what uh, is on Millie's mind. In Mississauga. They had a oh, nice alliteration there, Franklin. <laughs> Good morning, Millie. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my What's on my mind is bougainvillea. Mm-hmm. I was given a bougainvillea uh, plant uh, two years ago last summer, mm-hmm. and I wintered it. Now, I before putting it away, I, by the way, in a condo facing east, so mm-hmm. I'm very careful trying to get as much sun on it as I can. Mm-hmm. I uh, pruned it back when I brought it in from um, the balcony last fall, and qu- quite drastically, as a matter of fact. But uh, it's growing like mad in my bedroom window, which gets the early morning sun. Now, my question is, do I uh, prune it right back again before I put it out? So how does it look right now? It's got lots of leaves lots on it? Lots of leaves, yeah. And healthy. And no evidence of, of buds or blooms coming? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. And uh, what's the size? Is it a reasonable size, keeping in mind that it's going to grow a bunch this summer? You know, probably grow a good yeah. foot. Well, the the, the um, branches, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are, are, you know, eight inches long. Okay. I mean, it is a vine. Mm-hmm. Bougainvillea wants to climb up a wall yeah. or go mm-hmm. places. So what I would suggest is if you prune it, like the best time to prune something like that is in the spring. And That's what I thought. Yeah, and when we prune in the spring, it's to help that plant be compact and dense. And we recognize that it's going to actively grow through the spring and summer. So all that pruning we do in the spring is covered up quite quickly by new growth. Yeah. So you always want to try and eyeball or imagine how much it's going to grow so that you don't have to do any radical pruning in the fall. 
Okay. Uh, because sometimes when we do quite dramatic pruning, as it sounds like you did in the fall, it can be very shocking to the plant, and you, they can actually die in the fall when we do some radical pruning because they are hunkering down, shutting down for the winter. The last thing they want to do is do a bunch of growing. Well, I can't believe why, how it's growing so much. It didn't the first time I wintered it. It's a very happy but plant, it, obviously. Yeah, and when, I, when my daughter gave it to me, she, uh, she bought it in a florist uh, shop in, mm-hmm. in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And it was a, at least three feet across, just covered mm. with bloom. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it's a healthy plant. Well, so um, I would do if I were you, I would be fertilizing it now on a consistent basis. with oh, a, starting now yep. before it's outside? Yep, starting now, once a month, flowering plant fertilizer, something like a 15-30-15 or, or a miracle Grow. Start okay. doing that. I wouldn't cut it back unless you're concerned that it's going to be too big in the fall to bring in. So I would do whatever cutting now that you think you need to do to ensure that it's a, a wonderful size in September or August when you bring it in. So I don't prune it in the fall when I bring it in? I would Because it should be flowering in the late summer, and you hate to, to prune it when it's flowering. Yeah, yeah. So right now, it's sounding, sounding good, and with that fertilizer, I think you'll find that it will start blooming this summer. And so to avoid pruning in the fall... Do your pruning now if you think you need to. All right. And when do I put it outside? Once you are frost-free. Based on the current weather, that could be another month or two. July. <laughs> so, but, you know, generally, uh, it could be, it's usually May, sometime mid-May. But gently, you take it outside very slowly, start it in a shady spot, uh, sheltered from the wind, bring it in at night, back and forth. It no. takes a good week to 10 days before you can actually leave it outside. And then when it starts flowering, or just when it starts budding, let's just say, mm-hmm. when do I switch from the once a month, or do I? Is it just once a month all summer long? Uh, it's up to you. You can, you can um, move up to once every two weeks with your fertilizing when we're really into uh, growth, which would be once you get it outside. Yeah. Plants will use the fertilizer when they're actively growing. When they're not actively growing, the fertilizer can build up in the soil as a salt and actually end up being quite toxic to the roots. So just for a recap for my own mind here, um, I should really do the heavy pruning in the spring, mm-hmm. providing this lives for a few more years. Um, then when I bring it in in the fall, I bring it in in full leaf, full growth, and not, not prune back at all? Unless you need to because of the size. Right, the, when We prune in the oh. fall if we have to because the plant is just too big. So it's only in the spring. Yeah. That's your best one. And, and starting well before you put it outside? March is always a good time because the days are getting longer. The plants start responding to the I longer days. I that, yeah. 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 Thank you very, very You're much. You're very, for your very help. welcome. Okay. Thank you. Oh, by the way, Frank, I yes. thoroughly enjoy your sentimental journey every evening. Oh. I turn off the TV and I come into <laughs> my computer and turn on Frank and... Well, isn't that and nice? glory be. Well, it's very <laughs> nice very of you much. to say that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Got a lot of got a, a lot of tremendous listeners and uh, just enjoy them. Well, you're just a tremendous guy. Oh well, you know I am. Ah, uh, you are. Uh, yeah. I, Be- between got... your sentimental journey and your live in the city yeah. and your sous chefing of the garden show, do well, you ever get a rest? No, I'm <laughs> I'm totally exhausted. I which, think so. Oh, of course, someone who works as hard and diligently as I. But you do love oh. to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes. Uh, oh, okay, let's get out to Georgetown. Got some shrub trimming going out there, or, or should be. Uh, Joyce is on the line with a question about that, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Hello, Joyce. Good morning, folks. Morning. Um, I have a butterfly bush and a hydrangea that I planted last summer, mm-hmm. and I'd like to know when to cut them back and by how much. 
Uh, okay, so my first question would be, do you know what kind of hydrangea it is? I believe it's a PG. Okay, so right now, when well, at this point, nothing is yet growing on the butterfly bush, but it's all standing up just the way yeah, it was last year. you had suggested fall. last year that people leave them so that the birds can have a good time with the seeds and the, stuff on them? Exactly. So, uh, and butterfly bush, I always leave it alone f- all winter. Never touch it. Let it be from what it was in the fall. Let it stand there all winter. Mm-hmm. As the ground starts to thaw and growth starts to emerge on the plants. You, you think that's going to happen? Oh, I think so. <laughs> it always does eventually. Yeah. But in, you know, we're getting a little break here, actually, while it's not big spring action like it was this time last year. Mm-hmm. Frankly, for me, that's a good thing. I, I'm getting a little bit of a break. It was a bit too much too quick. It was. So I'm, I'm actually enjoying this cold temperature, but uh, except my, my little pear tree's not. Um, bottom line, leave that uh, butterfly bush alone, you will start sometime in the next, you know, few weeks to a month to see some little green buds start to emerge on that butterfly bush. The buds may only be at the base or they may be sort of halfway up some of the stems. Mm-hmm. That's when you're going to do your trimming and you're right. going to trim off where there is no green growth. So you're going to trim off to that point. Up, exactly. Right down to wherever those green buds are emerging mm. from. And a really harsh winter, I find I only have little green buds right down at ground level. Mm-hmm. But on a mild winter, I often have the plant can be four feet tall in the spring because I do so little pruning. Mm-hmm. But butterfly bushes get very big, mm-hmm. so sometimes I prune fairly low just because this it'll get you know too big and too just wide because, and too tall yeah. if I don't trim fairly low. Mm-hmm. So that's the trick with butterfly bush: leave it alone until you see some green growth. Right now, with a PG hydrangea that you just planted. My impulse this spring would be to remove whatever's left of the flowers. Mm-hmm. Again, not right away. You can wait a couple of weeks on this. Mm-hmm. Remove those lovely sort of dried flowers. And then just look for any spots where branches are crisscrossing and rubbing together or any damaged or, or dead wood, mm-hmm. which, again, will become more obvious as the little green buds start to emerge. Right. Remove anything that's dead or diseased or damaged. Right. And then leave it alone. Just let it grow for the rest of the summer. Enjoy all the flowers you're going to have again this fall, late summer and fall. And then again, next spring, you may want to do a little more trimming because it'll be a bigger plant and you might need to prune a little more for shape and size. Mm -hmm. But since it's so newly planted at this point, the only trimming you'll do, like I say, is the dead, the diseased and the damaged. Okay, thank you very much. I have another question, but I'll call back next Bless week. your heart. Thank <laughs> okay. you, Joyce. <laughs> oh, that little mantra works, yes, doesn't it? it does. <clears throat> Indeed it does. 9.36 on a beautiful Saturday morning. morning. But wear a jacket, for gosh sakes. It's it's really cold And a scarf and gloves and a yes, hat. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> Not wrong there. Norma from Stony Creek is uh, coming. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. John first. John just snuck in there from <laughs> Simcoe. Hi, good morning, John. Welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning. Morning. Uh, My wife and I bought uh, the house we're in now 24 years ago. We had a couple of Wajelia bushes. Mm -hmm. They've never, ever been cut back, and I don't know how old they were prior to uh, us buying the house. Wow, how big are they now? I wanted to cut them back uh, at least uh, 12 inches above the ground, and I'm wondering when it would be the best time to do that so that I'm not going to harm the bush and they'll uh, grow. How tall and wide are they now? Right now they're about, um, oh, I'd say four feet in height and about um, three to four feet in width. Oh, so they're not that big if they've been there that long. Yeah. And you haven't really done any trimming at all? Well, nothing other than just uh, uh, cutting out dead wood. Uh 
at the ground level, and uh, but I, I just thought I'd like to trim them back and and uh, give them a fresh start. Well, uh, you can do that, and you should. If you're going to do that, you should do that sometime in the next month. Okay. Because Wajila flower on new growth. <clears throat> Uh, so that's what's kind of neat about Wajila is that they don't bloom early in the spring. They bloom late spring, early yeah. summer. And the first set of blooms is based on that first flush of growth. Uh-huh. If you are somebody who, you know, is available to be out there and kind of tootling about in the garden, what people will often do after that first blooming on the Wajila is they'll give a trim again. And by this time it might be July, give a, a light trim to the shrub thus causing more new growth and then another flush of flowers. Mm-hmm. So you'll often get a second blooming with Wajila just because of the fact that they do bloom on the new growth. So you're saying I could cut it back within the next month? W- within but the... how far back can I, should I cut it? Uh, we always say you're totally safe to cut back a third of a plant, and if it's a healthy plant, it will not respond in any detrimental fashion. Okay, so Anyth- a third, cut it no back... Cut it back no more than a third. Well, I mean, if they're super healthy, they'll be fine. If they're super healthy, you can even go half. But they sound quite old, and that's what would worry me. Because as plants get older, they do lose vigor, and I'd worry that it it might be too shocking if you do more than a third, and you could lose them, and I don't think you'd want to do that. No, no, because they are very attractive uh, in the summertime. So instead, plan to do a third this spring, plan to do a third the following spring, and a third the spring after that, and you'll find that you'll slowly but surely be bringing them down lower by doing that. Okay, now if I, <clears throat> excuse me, if I uh, do this within the next uh, couple of weeks, it'd be fine. Yep, exactly. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Have a good day. My okay. pleasure. Thank you kindly. Take care. Bye-bye. Got to be cold in Simcoe, I would imagine, this morning, too, as it is here in Toronto. Well, why? It's right on the lake there. It should be well, yeah. balmier than... Oh, really? Yeah. Of course it's warm. Well, no. What are you talking? <laughs> what are you talking? What are you talking? It's <laughs> coming around to uh, 940, and uh, we're going to be along and have a chat with Norma, as I indicated, from Stony Creek, and i got a great story for you, a medical story about me and Stony Creek. Why well, it always comes to mind, but I'll tell you that after we talk to Norma, and we'll talk to Norma after we do a little bit of biz here, and I see you're already flexing. I am. It's time for some calisthenics. It's uh, Remember, when we're going out in the garden, stretching before we go out, after a winter of slothness, <laughs> there's no such word as slothness, Sloth. slothliness, <laughs> after a winter of sitting around and we're going to be going out into the garden, you know, bending and lifting, got to be in good shape, got to be able to stretch and bend before we go out to, you know, loosen up the muscles and Sierra Sill helps with keeping limber and pain free. I recommend it for those of you that want to be doing that bending and lifting and not hurting too much afterwards and being able to stretch beforehand. Sierra Cell helps keep everything moving and, and like I say, pain-free. If this is something that interests you, check out their website, sierrasill.ca, or give them a call, 1-877-JOINT-14. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And uh, Charlie is especially bright this morning uh, after the garden show. She's now recovered and in full bloom, as you might say. Ew, lovely. Thank <laughs> Ooh, you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> David Gaskin, our producer, is uh, lining up all the phone calls, and, and I'm going to be along to talk to a caller from Stony Creek in just a moment. But a quick little note I mentioned about a story mm-hmm. about Stony Creek. 
uh, it's a medical thing. That many years ago when I was living in St. Catharines, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, didn't know what was wrong with me. Something was going on bad, hurt like hell. Went, I drove myself to the hospital, left the car on the main drag, and just went in, checked myself in. Mm-hmm. Turns out I had kidney stones. Ow. Well, yeah, ow. And they went in after them. You know how they do. And the doctor said, oh, gee, they fell out of the little bucket trying to reach. There are two of them there. So I said, oh, gee. She said, it's okay. They'll, they'll pass. Here, take a little strainer, and uh, you'll, you'll catch them, I'm sure. Well, I was doing a play at Brock University at the time, mm-hmm. and I left left my strainer at the theater, and the next day I had to take my son, uh, Kelly, to an audition in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So here we are uh, heading to the train station. I said, oh, the strainer, the strainer. I said, no, here's a Melita coffee filter. Here you take that. <laughs> so I <laughs> took that. Here we are racing along via rail uh, mm-hmm. to Toronto. And uh, I said to Kel, uh, oh, just have to go to the washroom a minute back. I, I took my little strainer with me. Well, <laughs> ping, ping, I gave birth to, to twins, Rocky and Pebbles. <laughs> uh, right, but, but the strain thing, we were just going through Stony Creek. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. My my uh, father-in-law <laughs> built two little cradles out of walnuts, <laughs> you know, the half two half shells lined it with silk and for Rocky and Pebbles. And that's and what I think of every time I go through Stony, Stony Creek. Creek. And uh, these, these were like... Not so microscopic. Oh you could actually God. see them. Eh? No, no, see them. Uh, like the end of a, of a rubber on a pencil. Mm. You know, like all jagged. Not nice. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, thanks for sharing. A, thank yeah, you good very old much. Stony Creek. Yes. So there you go, Norma. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> my Stony Creek story. How are you this morning? I'm just fine, thanks. I'm getting quite a chuckle out of your oh. hospital. Oh, boy. Was it the Joe Brand Hospital? No, it was uh, the St. Catharines General. Oh, oh, but yeah. it was, you were going through Stony Creek. On the train. Yeah, but uh, the next day uh, I was going through uh, by, uh, via the train uh-huh. <laughs> with my little coffee filter. <laughs> Well, there you go. Now, every time I see you via train, I'll think of you. <laughs> Thank you, you Mary. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, now, uh, Charlie, I have a hosta plant, mm-hmm. and it's a huge one, mm-hmm. and I mean huge. I've had it for years. It was passed down to me from a niece, mm-hmm. and I think her, my niece's mother-in-law had it. But it has bloomed over the years, and I have it hanging in uh, a southwest window, and it's just humongous. It's about two feet wide and a no about a foot wide and about two feet long but it keeps getting all these runners mm-hmm. and on these runners there are sometimes little buds come out mm-hmm. well i had been cutting these runners off and sticking them in water mm-hmm. and while they're rooting a couple of them bloomed little flowers oh. now i wondered how much what should i do with it the leaves are starting to turn yellow because it's so old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start back at the beginning. You mentioned it was a hosta plant. That's right. Just to clarify, it's actually a Hoya that I'm you've got. Sorry. So, Hoya. so it's H O Y A. That's right. It's a Hoya. Yeah, plant. just to be clear. No, I, that's fine. It's not. Don't be sorry. I just want to make sure everybody knows <laughs> yeah. that we're not talking about a hosta that's hanging in a basket <laughs> inside your house. So, no, I've got them outside. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so uh, but, but I don't know what to do. The common them. name for Hoya is wax plant because yeah. the leaves are very thick and shiny almost waxy and just like you said they'll send a runner Mm -hmm. and a flower forms on the end of that and they're very fragrant they're pale
pale, pale pink, and they'll drip um, nectar. At they're, night, it smells like a funeral home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're very, very aromatic. I've also got the variegated one. Yes. It's in a planter. Okay, so what I would do, and you mentioned you've had it for many, many years, and yes. if you're starting to see a little yellowing on the leaves, that's a really good indication that this plant is probably ready for some fresh soil. Now, whether it's too much to consider repotting it entirely, because sometimes that can be tough with big hanging. I'm, t- I'm thinking about throwing it out. <laughs> no, no. You know what you should do? Grab a, get a, like a tablespoon, mm-hmm. scrape some soil off the surface. You'll only be able to scrape sort of the top half inch yeah. of that crusty old soil yeah. and toss that into your, into your compost. Meanwhile, have a bag of fresh potting soil on hand and replenish what you've removed. Uh Plus, I'm sure it's sunk over the last few years. So you'll take out half an inch, but you might add as much as an inch onto the surface of the soil that's in that pot right now. Give it a nice thorough watering. I water it once a week. Do you? Yeah. And And I fertilize it when I water it. And and they like to be on the dry side anyway. So you're going to want to, you know, do this whole thing when it's just before a watering day. So So it's all kind of crusty. What is causing the yellow Like, is is it just like it's uh, it's kind of awkward for me to tell you because uh, like I'm 82 years old and I can't really get at the thing. Mm. It's hanging from the ceiling. In fact, my kids think sometimes it's going to pull out of the ceiling. It's so heavy. And that's why what I was thinking is there's some way like if I cut if I try cutting it back, mm. I'm cutting probably uh, about a 20 foot length of plant. I mean, you could. You could cut it back. The other thing is you could take it off the ceiling if you're worried about the weight and mm-hmm. put it into a plant stand and let it, or put it on an etage or something where it can be allowed to do that viney growth, but be on a solid surface rather than hanging from the ceiling. But see, Charlie, what's, what, is, what it is, it's from the, from the pot, mm-hmm. my growth is all underneath. I, this is my problem. If I take it off of the take mm-hmm. it down from the ceiling, I have nowhere to put it. I'll crush it. Right. Yeah, because so all those... underneath. Give and that's a... why, rather than losing it all together, mm. should I just try starting to find some new shoots mm-hmm. and cut it back and hope? Well, that's right. You could just do a, a give a haircut to the entire plant yeah. uh, and save what you've cut off and root those cuttings. Oh, they root very fast. That's right. And start some new plants and then th- toss out the mother plant, if okay. you wish, and start a, a brand new plant right. entirely with some fresh cuttings, fresh but, soil, fresh, fresh pot. Now, at the bottom of this plant is where these yellow leaves are starting to really turn yellow. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I would imagine there's a good stem of maybe 15 feet. I know years ago, my husband and I, we took it apart. We took it outside Mm -hmm. and put it on a hanger, Mm -hmm. a planter hanger, Mm -hmm. and we took it apart. And honestly, some some of the lengths were almost the length of my patio. My husband said, let's just cut them off. But I don't know. And I kind of hate to lose it in a way. Uh, It's in a huge picture window. Yeah. You shouldn't have to lose it, though. I mean, you can always cut that plant back. Get get somebody to help you with this, obviously, because it's going to require standing on a stepladder if you're leaving it in its current position and doing some untwining and some rejigging of what's there. Give the whole thing a haircut. Save some of those cuttings. And if possible, like I said, a little either tossing out the main plant, starting Uh new, or at least refreshing some soil in that main now, plant. I have, I'm sitting here looking at it, and there's five oh, new, new uh, shoots, mm-hmm. and they're maybe about a foot long, and mm-hmm. they're just up in the ceiling and out towards the window. See, the, the light is yeah. right in the sun in the morning. Loves it. Yeah. And I just don't know what 
Like I get, you know, I keep it, I keep it together with those big hair clips. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to hang them up with. Well, but that's what I'm saying. With some help, yeah. it needs all the clips need to come out. Okay. The tendrils need to be untwined. Okay. Some cutting needs to take place, and and then you'll sort of start fresh again. And if you can freshen some of that soil, it would be a good thing. Okay, so that's my main concern. Yeah. With the soil. Okay. Thank Thanks, you very Norma. Much. Thank Enjoy you, Norma. Hold, Thank you. Oh boy, what a hoya. Keep going right through Stony Creek. Don't stop. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, Norma. Thank Bye-bye. you for joining the show. Nine fifty-two. Got to take a little break here for a commercial message or two. And Charlie Dobbin and I will be back to talk to two norms. How about that? There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM seven forty Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scotts. Hi, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the Garden Show, here saying hi on behalf of Charlie to Norman in Oakville. Hi, Norman. Charlie. Good morning. Uh, Frank, uh, I have a question about moss growing in my lawn. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do to get rid of it? Well, usually when moss grows on the lawn, it'll be in an area that's shady, probably along the north side of the building or shaded by a fence or something like that. Yes, it is shady, yes. It also tends to be a damp spot where the the drainage is not excellent and there's moisture there a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, the pH in that area tends to be more acidic than the rest of your garden. So a little bit of a low uh, pH leads to the perfect conditions for moss to grow. So what are your options? Well, if you can provide more sunshine in that area, sometimes you can't because it's a structure. That's pretty tough. Uh, So tough to cut down some trees. Right, so you're not going to do that. Uh, But one thing you can do is you can, if it's really bothering you, is you can remove, like get a shovel, scrape the moss out, remove that right out, scrape the top inch or so of soil out, Take that off to the composter someplace. Uh-huh. Get some fresh topsoil or lawn top dressing or, you know, good lawn soil into that area. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is a really damp spot, see if you can do anything to modify drainage, help it to be a little uh, less moist, whether it's adding some sand or a little drainage swale or something to keep the moisture from collecting there. Uh, of course, grass seed will be required to grow some grass, and I would be inclined to put down some horticultural lime to raise your pH slightly. It's a sprinkle of horticultural lime. It, uh, it won't be a long-term solution. You'll have to stay on top of this with a little bit of lime and doing everything you can to facilitate the drainage in the area. Some people just say, you know what, moss is green, it, my lawn is green, it doesn't really matter to me. Well, that you know, It doesn't look bad, you know, mm-hmm. but I just thought, you know, I thought maybe you'd end up killing the grass, really. Well, it's just that the moss is thriving better than the lawn. Yes. But uh-huh. at some point, as you move out into the sunnier spots, the lawn starts to kick in and the moss yes. starts to not thrive just because yes. the conditions aren't, aren't good for the moss. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's up to you. I mean, it, it can be done, but it does require a fair amount of ongoing maintenance to keep that grass thriving in a situation where it's perfect for moss. Uh, <laughs> who, would, who would sell lime? Who could I buy it from? And who's Horticultural lime you should be able to get in any good garden center. Good garden you should center. also be able to get it at the co-op or, or any oh. of the, um, sometimes the, the building centers will have it. Just make sure it's horticultural lime. Horticultural No other kind lime. of lime. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I heard you talking this morning, you have bird feeders about uh, the, the blackbirds. I know I was sitting here eating breakfast this morning. I'm running outside all the time to chase them, them away. At, well, starlings. Mm-hmm. They come in, they flock in there. I've got a... Uh, a bird bath, and the thing would be empty in, in no time flat with, yeah. the, with these starlings. I know. So they, they just take over. They're brutes. Yeah, they are. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Norman. Mm-hmm.
Thank you. Norman from Oakville. And, I, you I know, guess even my daughter commented that back when the when I was at Canada Blooms and it was warm, uh, there was birds bathing in our bird bath, you know, dirty old uh, leaf-filled bird bath from last fall. But uh, the birds were partying in the bird bath already. Yeah, there I go. I heard a, a you know what sound this is? Mm. Yeah, I Cardinal. Should. Cardinal, yeah. Yeah, heard one uh, day before yesterday. Uh, where the devil? Is it? Couldn't find them. Oh, okay. Bright red bird. Oh, I have them nesting in my area. I have a couple families of cardinals. All right, we have 30 seconds. So, a quick update. Uh, remember a few minutes ago, Tony from Mount Forest called about the infomercial, oh, the yeah. tomato tree. All right, here's exactly what that plant is it's called, commonly called tamarilla, T A M A R I L L A. Proper name is Solanum betaceum. It is not a true tomato. Uh, it is uh, something that's common. To, well, it's originally from Peru, but it's very common in New Zealand. It does grow big. It does grow a whole bunch of fruits. Uh, they do sort of look like and taste like tomatoes. The fruit is eaten by scooping the flesh out of the fruit. The skin tends to be a little bit on the bitter side. Um, they are often used in stews and cooking, uh, even desserts, etc. cetera. Uh, so like I say, and they, they grow big and they are easy to grow and they're very common in the New Zealand area. So ah. if it's something that you know interests you and you want to do a little more um, re- research on it, tamarillo. Tamarillo, T-A-M-A-R-I-L-L-O. That is your tomato tree that you're seeing advertised. There's your homework assignment for next week or for this week, and we'll be talking to you next week, Charlie. Yes, we will. We'll be back, and you're back yourself in an hour. Just after 11 o'clock. With what's uh, on in the city. You got it, my friend. Uh, Have a wonderful week. Thank you very, very much. I plan to. Thank you for all your good sous chefiness. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. (laughs) Thanks to all our great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.